the most powerful persuasive speech and even a powerful informative speech is a speech that's revealing, that comes from your innermost self and that you're willing to share. On this season of the PG Daily, we will be taking an in-depth look at education in Prince George's County. You will hear from some of the integral voices that are responsible for educating and enriching the minds of students in the county. You will also hear from students that have been directly impacted by the county's educational system, and you will hear how the Prince George's County schools impact the community as a whole. In today's episode, you will hear the daily news, and for our big story, Isaiah Welcome sits down with Ms. Denise Cruz, Professor of Communications at Prince George's Community College. I'm David Smalls. Stay tuned. Hello, and welcome to Prince George's Community News. We are recording live from the new studios of Prince George's Community Radio in the brand new Center for Performing Arts, located on the campus of Prince George's Community College in beautiful downtown Largo, Maryland. I'm David Smalls with today's newscast. Today is Thursday, October 24th, 2019, and the current weather is 57 degrees, sunny. Today's high temperature is expected to reach 69 degrees, and our low temperature is expected to be 47 degrees. And now, here is your local news. The Prince George's County chapter of the NAACP is calling for an independent investigation into a traffic stop that ended with a man being partially paralyzed. According to News 4, DeMonte Ward-Blake is still hospitalized after police say he tried resisting arrest. The NAACP is pushing back after viewing the police dash cam video that recorded part of the incident and showed Ward Blake cooperating. He had been pulled over last Thursday in Oxon Hill for expired temporary tags. News 4 also reports that Saver at Studio 3807 is Prince George's County's first food hall where local chefs, artisans, and farmers are selling their goods and making exciting food. The 8,500 square foot food hall in Brentwood boasts several different food concepts under one roof, and it gives a brick and mortar home to chefs who have been serving tacos, all day brunch, coffee, and more from food trucks and pop-ups. Savor also contains a farmer's market, a relish market with fresh spices, vegetables, juice, and a small artisan's shop, curated DMV, offering opportunities to support local businesses along Prince George's County's Rhode Island Avenue corridor. April N. Richardson, founder and owner of the food hall, wants Sabre to be something like an oasis within Brentwood, which is considered to be a food desert. In Game 2 of the World Series, the Washington Nationals dominated the Houston Astros with a 12-3 win. The Nats now lead the series 2-0 in the best out of seven games and will be headed back to Washington on Friday with a commanding lead. For Prince George's Community News, I'm David Smalls. Have a great day, everybody.
And now for our big story, Isaiah Welcome sits down with Miss Denise Cruz, Professor of Communications at Prince George's Community College. Hi, I'm Isaiah Welcome, and this is. Um, good afternoon, I'm Denise Cruz. Uh, I teach here at Prince George's Community College, teach communication courses as well as theater, radio, and film courses. Where exactly did you learn to start teaching? I began teaching in 19, oh my goodness, 1995. My daughter started kindergarten. Mm. <laughs> so I've been teaching a long time, but I began teaching. I don't know how to answer where did I learn to teach. I am constantly learning. I am constantly evolving. I am constantly responding to my students. I may have a planned lecture, but based on the feedback and the energy, and I do need energy from my students, I'll adjust what I had planned. Mm. And I think teachers, better teachers, or teachers who want to become better teachers are constantly re-evaluating, reassessing, and re-evolving how they teach. So I haven't finished learning how to teach. What's an interesting class that you've had that has kind of made you uh, re-evaluate the way in which you teach that subject. They're, they're always interesting and they're different interesting and they're interesting because it's a diverse class and not necessarily and it's not important where there's a diversity of gender and a diversity of race but a diversity of life experiences mm. and so when I when you get students to open up and you get all that kind of feedback and what I want to do and why I want to do it they're all interesting they all have something to, to add to it even even if I have a class that's challenging in a negative way. Mm-hmm. Um, rarely, I teach evenings. Mm-hmm. And so usually I have young adult learners who might range from 18 to 35 to 45. And even in this class, is a 60-year-old. And so a, a different range of experiences. For the first time in all the years I've taught, one class I have this semester, the average age is 18 to 25. And most are 18 and 19. And most of this is their first time in college. Mm. And some are having a challenge making the transition from high school behavior to college behavior. And even in that challenging class, it is still interesting. Because my challenge is for the most disruptive student for me to try to engage that student. And I look at it as, okay, that... I don't look at it as, okay, that student wasn't ready. I look at it as a personal failure that I couldn't reach that student. And that is something I've got to overcome. I will look at it as a, if this investor does not end positively for that student, I will look at it as a personal failure that I did not reach that student. One of your personal uh, beliefs is that when it comes to grading, you know, it's it's more based on uh, the qu- the quality of work and not really the points that you care for, right? You know, you, I do care about the quality of work, but first of all, any 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 accredited uh, institution, any accredited body of higher ed, 
requires that grades are recorded. That's, that's, that's part of, I believe, how they receive accreditation. So every, every college that I've ever worked, grades are required to put down. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, my parents could, could, tell you, could tell you how concerned I was about my own grades um, as an undergrad. Grad school is another picture because you can be asked to leave if you don't maintain at least a 3.0 mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, in grad school. And, and though I maintained that um, in undergrad, but only because my parents forced me to, um, I just didn't see the need. I didn't understand in terms of um, my parents would have argued that I could have done better. And I, and I always said, what's, what's a B? What's an A? And I still believe that it's more important that my, my goal in the classroom is to light the spark that says, I'm going to be a critical thinker. I'm going to critically analyze everything that I come in contact with, with my work, why we do it, why we do the things we do at work, why do we do it in this way, why do we approach stories, why do we approach interviews, who are we interviewing. I always want my students to become critical thinkers and they ask the question why. If a student does that, and they're not going to necessarily, necessarily demonstrate that in the short weeks that you have them, but one of my joys in all the years I've taught, and it's even happened in D.C., though I have not, I've only lived in D.C. for 10 years, when a student sees me and remembers my face and remembers the experience they had in my class, and they approach me, and they say, Denise, Denise, and I'm looking at them like, who is this? <laughs> and they'll say that they were in my class. I don't always remember their faces. Of Some course. faces I do, and depending how long. And it always happened in my hometown because I was more than raised there. Of course. Um, and I was engaged more in civic acti- activities more so than I have been in any other place that I've lived. When they say, I get it. And then they'll give me an example of something that they learned in my class and that they do in the world of work. Um, that's the greatest reward for me when students become critical thinkers and realize the importance of being analytical and asking those important questions and how they impact if people of color are issues that are important to that particular student. That's, that's a big reward for me. Not, oh, that was an A student, oh, mm-hmm. that was a B student, or that was a C student. It just didn't, for, for a variety of reasons, that student may be a C student. Is that student working and going to school? Because school is a full-time job. Even if you're only taking part-time classes, it's a full-time job that, in terms of when, when the work that you receive in the classroom. Are you taking care of children? Are you a single parent? Are you taking care of an elderly parent? Are you taking care of siblings? There may be all kinds of factors why, that I have no knowledge of and that's not information that you willingly bring to the person who's teaching the class. Cool. And it's your business whether or not you want to share it or not. But there could be lots of factors why you're a C student. Were you best prepared in high school? Did you come from the best high school in the city? Or a city that, a high school that had fewer resources and couldn't give you all of the support that you needed to be a good writer. But it doesn't mean you can't become a good writer or a better writer. And so knowing that we all continue to evolve and we grow, we hopefully we grow, that the C student, well, we had a president, we had a president who used to brag on, you too could become president because they were a C student. George, the son, which is, I think that was George W. Bush, would say he was a C student. He would say that often and he became president of the United States. Now there were other extenuating factors that helped with that. But all of, our, all of the people who hold the top, top office in government in this country mm-hmm. were not A students, particularly the current 
resident of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue was not an A student, though those grades won't be released. I will dare make that assertion. I don't have <laughs> actual data to back that up. I would dare say he was not an A student while he attended college. Mm. Um, but that's not important. And that's why the grade is not important. There were goof-offs when I was an undergrad. And those goof-offs who were partying, just goof-offs in class, eventually became doctors, physicians, and lawyers. Right. Because they matured and evolved. Of course. And then... <laughs> <laughs> decided to to really sit down and concentrate on what they wanted to do. So that that's some of the reason why that's not important. A C does not define you. An A does not define you. Um, and for me, it's just, it, even if it doesn't happen within a few weeks that I have the students, but that they eventually, it's like, oh, I remember what that woman, Denise, that crazy, wild <laughs> woman who wouldn't just stand behind the podium and talk as she's all over the classroom then something, you, you recall something and you begin to utilize it in your life. That's, that's, that's why I teach. That's why I enjoy teaching. That's actually in something I can completely agree with. Uh, something that struck me from... But you strike you, me as being a very good student and that you will probably earn the best grades you could possibly earn. Thank you. That means a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, something that struck me uh, from your last answer was how... The most important thing to you is the analytical, the analytical and um, critical thinking that a student applies, and I think there's no other place to see that um, the best than the final project. And and so uh, for my last question, I was wondering, out of all of the uh, final projects that you've done over the years, what or which ones were the most rem- rem- memorable in terms of um, addressing the objectives that your uh, class asks of them? That is the toughest question that you've asked. And again, uh, I've taught more public speaking courses than the class that you're in, a television class or radio class mm-hmm. or a newspaper class. I don't think I've ever taught a pure newspaper class. And your class is, is basically an overview, a survey. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it would have to be those public speaking classes and, and students who are taking any kind of communication slash interpersonal communication public speaking class. Because some class, some courses, some colleges separate them. You take a public speaking class, then you take an interpersonal communication class, and then other co- colleges blend those two courses into one. And so you can't graduate from any college that I've ever taught in, in this country. Um, you can't graduate from that. You can't pass that course without doing the three speeches, one informative speech, one persuasive speech, and then like a group project. And so I'm struck with, and again, oh, gosh, because I've been teaching since my daughter was five years old. I just can't remember. I mean, they're, they're always students. Oh, well, I can think of something recent, though. Mm-hmm. When students stand in front of the class, 20, the largest, class, largest college class I've ever had was 30, and talk about their personal problems. And, and talk about, for example, to, to say to the class, uh, I struggle with ADD. I take medication. It's difficult for me to concentrate. To stand in front of a class and said, I want to talk about um, 
I want to talk about um, sexual abuse mm. because I was raped. It's those, when the students have the courage to stand in front of the class and do it well, and do it well, but to put their personal problems in front of their peers for them to evaluate and judge, that's the most rewarding thing. Because I'm always talking, telling students to talk about something what's important to you. Students are going to say, give me the topic. Well, no, I can't do that. And I'm not going to do that. You're going to decide what you're going to talk about. And I say, if you think that I have energy and passion when I teach this class, because I love teaching the class and I recognize the importance of having good communication skills. It is critical for when you're going to job interview. It could kill a job interview. Not only, it's not just answering the questions. It's not just being dressed appropriately for an interview. It is, there, some interviewers will make a judgment whether or not you can code switch. And I don't just mean code switching from how we might talk in our family relations, but how well are you using workplace grammar and communication skills? You could blow an interview. What is the point? You've gone to college. You've got all that training. You work so hard and you can't code switch. You don't. And for, for students to recognize that that's real, that yeah. someone will dismiss you because you don't speak the way they want you to speak and representing their company and coming to work with their firm. You don't speak, you're starting your own business. The bank doesn't like the way you speak and is not gonna trust to give you a loan to expand. Are the partners that you wanna bring on to your entrepreneurial effort or entrepreneurial endeavor, say we don't wanna partner with this brother because, because, unless you've demonstrated that you've already made the cash. Students who who understand, who get the message that the most powerful persuasive speech and even a powerful informative speech is a speech that's revealing, that comes from your innermost self and that you're willing to share. When you think about influential speakers um, on the national scene, they move you when they're talking about something that you can relate to. And it's something personal. When students understand when you come from something that you deeply believe in, that you have a more effective, effective public speaking, whether or not it's your informative speech and or it's your persuasive speech. When students get that, I'm impressed. That's, that's my answer. That's my answer. This podcast is brought to you by Prince George's Community News and Prince George's Community College. Celebrating over 60 years of offering the highest possible standards in college education for the county and the region. Visit us at pgcc.edu. The opinions expressed on the Prince George's Daily Podcast do not necessarily represent those of Prince George's Community College, its employees, or its affiliates. Producers for the Prince George's Daily are Stephen Boney, Dorcas Ashinawo, Vanita Newsom. Heavenly Pickett, David Smalls, and Dale Roden. Music for this episode provided by DJs Young Carts and Scott Holmes. Tune in tomorrow as we continue our discussion on education in Prince George's County. This is the Prince George's Daily.